Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Trump lame duck presidency. I'm Asha Hawksworth, here to answer the burning question, what in the hell is wrong with 70 million mostly white Americans? But before we get into that, can we just take a breath and reflect on the fact that our abusive relationship with the orange dictator is nearing an end? Biden may not have been our first, second, or even third choice, but at least he's sane and capable of compassion. And you know what's even more exciting to me? Having a black woman in the VP slot. Oh yeah. I wish Biden long health, but in the event of an emergency, Kamala can get it done, baby. It was quite a ride last week. Tuesday night, a lot of us were thinking, are we really going to elect that asshole again? Our good friend was literally lying on the ground, depressed as all get out. And then things slowly began to shift. But it was an exhausting week, honestly. We should definitely feel relieved. We should crack open the $10 champagne. We should cry with relief. We should celebrate and enjoy a good night's sleep for the first time in four years. But we can't relax too long because we still have a hell of a lot of challenges ahead of us. Which brings us to... Shit du jour! Although it's clear that Biden-Harris won this election, the so-called leaders of the Republic fascist party are going all in on Trump's attempt to gaslight reality by saying that Democrats stole this election. They all know it's not true, of course, but that will not prevent them from burning it all down so they can get another five minutes of power. They're still hoping to somehow convince Republican state legislatures to appoint electors for Donald Trump in spite of the votes of their citizens. In third world parlance, the word for this is coup. If you can't win on the merits, then steal it. For years, Republicans and their propaganda outlets have been accusing Democrats of doing the very thing that Republicans are currently doing. It's the Biden crime family, they say, although it's fucking obvious that the Trumps are a major part of a worldwide crime syndicate. Ukraine, they say, is a Biden scandal and not what their standard bearer got impeached for. The Republican Party is sick with Trumpism and the disease is metastasizing, not healing. And every single Republican operative is complicit Joe Navarro wrote a piece last summer that ran in Psychology Today in which he describes what happens when a malignant narcissist, which Trump is, loses. The short version is he'll go nuclear to prevent any indication that he may have failed in any way because this is unacceptable to the narcissist. Burning down the house is definitely on the table and all collateral damage is acceptable to the narcissist. We expect this by now, of course. Trump is Trump. But here's where the real shit comes in. He couldn't do it without enablers, and he has an entire party of them. Navarro had this to say in his article. 
The narcissist will engage supporters or enablers to simultaneously attack those who offer proof or evidence of the narcissist's failure, even if it embarrassingly exposes their poodle-like behavior as that of spineless sycophants. Welcome to the Poodle Club, y'all. The yapping and fuckery has only just begun. Early estimates say that roughly 57% of white people voted for four more years of this mess, the only group to give Don the con a majority of voters. This shouldn't surprise you. It's easy to foresee a blue wave when you live in blue areas and talk to like-minded people, but remember, Trumpers live in their own bubbles too, and they are literally astounded that he lost, to the point where they don't want to believe it themselves. Naturally, House Democrats who lost seats to Republicans are blaming the logical villain. No, not neoliberalism or capitalist excess. No, they're deciding they lost seats because they weren't conservative enough. It's hard to see how this could be the fault of progressives when all of the Democratic Socialists running for re-election won their seats, but no. It's not because they won in 2018 with a mandate to impeach Trump only to be told by Pelosi that he wasn't worth it. It's not because Medicare for all is popular with a huge majority of the population, but Democrats won't put it in their platform. It's not because the Biden campaign was more interested in courting Republicans than progressives in his own party. You could forgive voters for being confused about which party is for working families and which party is for Wall Street. So yeah, 57% of white people who still believe Trump is a populist who's on their side. It doesn't matter that he's neither of those things. Some of that 57% are probably suffering from the economy and they have been for years. White people aren't supposed to suffer in the United States. Black and brown people, sure, but not white people. They're supposed to be able to work hard and still be okay, but it hasn't been working that way for a long time. The part of Alabama my mom grew up in is white and full of cousins, close, distant, and otherwise. The town, the buildings, everything about the place changed very little over the years. The last time I was there in 2002, I noticed some changes that will not have escaped the locals' interests. There was now a small population of Mexican immigrants living there. This meant that carnicerias popped up. It meant arriving at my uncle's house to hear his son-in-law playing Mexican music with his friends in the garage. It meant brown people were living there and had brought their culture with them. And I can guarantee you that some people were not happy about any of that, particularly since their mamas and daddies had worked so hard to keep out black people over the years. So a declining standard of living plus brown Spanish-speaking people with taco stands must mean that it's the brown people's fault. Of course, this is a childish and simplistic view of the world, but we're talking about the offspring of hillbillies here. Their world had been homogeneous and self-reflecting, but now there were people with different traditions and a different language taking up space in their towns. Rednecks do not deal well with change, even if it's good change. 
This may go part way to explaining why suffering white people may have voted for Trump, but not all these folks are suffering. In fact, a hefty percentage of Trump's white base is well off. They're employed, they own a house, they have an armory, and they're doing fine. So why would they vote for this asshole? Well, that's easy. They're comfortable just as they are. They don't need change. They're not getting shot for driving while black. They're not liable to be asked for their papers. They don't care if Flint, Michigan can't drink its water. It doesn't affect them, so who cares? There is a paradox here for those who know rednecks in that the old guard tended to be more giving not that long ago. Evangelicals would, in those days, be more likely to help their neighbors, bring summer vegetables to everybody, and generally help out where they could. This form of community consciousness wasn't difficult for them because the entire community looked like them and mostly thought liked them. Unfortunately, rednecks have a hard time extending community to Mexican immigrants, black people, or Muslims, Jews, etc., because those folks are outsiders, and no one is more provincial than a redneck. And rednecks just hate it when anyone who isn't them gets an advantage in anything. So yeah, white people voted for the guy who looks kind of like them and convincingly sounds like them. And if he says horrible things, well, they're probably true because everybody knows that colored people don't deserve anything. And what about all the white babies women aren't having? Rednecks don't really fear extinction of the race, but they absolutely fear the extinction of their culture which apparently cannot survive the sanitizing forces of different opinions. This is why evangelicals want to force their beliefs on everybody. The mere existence of other beliefs is an affront to the house of cards they have built in their heads. When you see red-faced white people screaming in the next few days, this is the fear that is motivating them. They fear irrelevance. Irrelevance, however, is their future, as it would be for any group that cannot embrace change. We are at the point in our history where it's change or die time. We can change and meet the challenges of a global community and the threat of climate change, or we can die out holding on to our combustion engines and AR-15s. Somewhat people, obviously, will choose the latter. And some of those white people are Democrats who believe that a vote for Joe is a vote for the status quo, like we can keep on doing what we've always done without regard for justice, economic equality, and the environment. The right wing is pulling hard against change, but the Democrats are not exactly pulling their weight in this fight either. We have a lot of work to do to change a system that primarily benefits a handful of rich people and their sycophants. We won an important battle this past week, but the war is still ongoing. Trump will not go away quietly. He will tweet. He may end up with his own TV show on Fox News. He may continue to hold rallies. Anything to convince people that they are somehow losing and only he can save them. So stay vigilant, folks. If you're white, back up your brothers and sisters of other colors and creeds. Stand up for them. Stand up for what's right. Keep fighting. We are a long way from Utopia Station.
Thanks for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can send me comments at rednecklesbian2020 at gmail.com. In the meantime, be kind because it's got to start somewhere. Thanks, y'all.